0: Hello everybody, welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. Today we find ourselves back out on the road again after uh, several years, uh, dare I say it, break, um, and uh, usually doing these podcasts remotely via laptops and internet connections. I'm delighted to say that we've uh, taken the podcast studio back out on the road. We are in London, we're at the home of Crucial Effects um, and their origin experience, and at the very start of today's episode I should offer my uh, sincerest thanks to the guys at Crucial Effects for hosting us today for allowing us to set up in their uh, in their office space and uh, and also for giving us a bit of a taster of the origin experience Um, if you want to find out a bit more yourselves head over to twitter their twitter handle is at origin underscore london so, on with today's episode, and uh, we welcome sat opposite me in today's podcast studio, Niles Brody. Niles is the Director of Catering, Conferencing and Events for Twickenham Stadium and joins the podcast today to talk about the brand new East Stand that was launched and unveiled last year. Niles, thanks for joining the podcast today. No problem, thank you very much. Um, for those who are not aware, um, Twickenham, I think, now is the largest. Dedicated rugby stadium in the world, um, 82,000 capacity. Um, but this is a long-term project to completely redevelop the offering that you've got within the stand. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more, you know, about the redevelopment and why it, why it was uh, thought up. So, yeah. So the the, the redevelopment takes Twickenham's
1: hospitality from uh, four and a half thousand to eight and a half thousand of traditional hospitality and moves it inside the stadium. So the original concept was uh, to control the brand and to control the hospitality product that's offered by both the RFU and Twickenham Stadium and move some of the outside operators that have traditionally serviced rugby hospitality goers externally Mm -hmm. from the stadium and to bring them inside to the stadium so that both the the brand, the offer and the revenue sits within both the Twickenham
0: Stadium and the RFU. And this is not just... A lick of paint. For those people who are not aware of this, this is not just a a bit of a refurbishment. This was a massive undertaking over five floors that's completely transformed. First of all, the external look of that particular stand. Correct. It was
1: a completely redevelopment of the whole east stand, um, adding four and a half thousand covers into the east stand. Uh, Prior to that, was about fifteen hundred hospitality covers in that part of the stadium, and added another. Another three thousand on top of that, so complete redevelopment, um, adding in two new floors uh, and a whole new extension off the back of the stadium to to extend the footprint and the floor space of the of
0: the building. And m- many of our podcast listeners will be aware of sports stadia hospitality, um, but as I understand it, and I, I've not seen it firsthand, but I've seen a lot of pictures, read up a, a lot of information prior to, to today's podcast. This this is quite a significant rethink in how stadium hospitality is actually delivered, isn't it?
1: Oh, completely. So we, we've
0: moved away from
1: a traditional banqueting round table and traditional cloths and a, a three-course plated meal with no choice to having a variety of options from, you know, interactive street food-style um with pizza ovens and you know, help, help yourself grab and go type things right the way through to five course taster meals with, you know, mm-hmm. top end Michelin star style food um, served in a very inviting environment with, you know, big floor space per person, uh, pitch, uh, pitch views and really kind of comfortable
0: environment and, and everything in between. How did the the, the the sort of consultation process manifest itself when you were looking into what you would like to do with the e stand? Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you've got all of these different types of catering options and food options that are available now to guests. Yeah. Um, how, how did that process, you know, begin and end?
1: So it was a fairly collaborative approach um, between all of our key stakeholders. So uh, Compass Group, the RFU, and Keith Praffs in who are our principal sales partner. Um, looked at the hospitality market as a whole, looked at what was selling at other big nas- international and national events, and then combined that with the rugby goer and what the rugby goer is looking for, and then designed all the different concepts around both price point and the want of the customer, whether they're entertaining for business purposes or for uh, as a private individual, and kind of designed the concepts in line with that and, and did a great job at it, I must mm. say.
0: And, and when we look at the scale of a, a stadium, the mm. size of Twickenham, mm-hmm. um, you are inevitably going to have people with varying degrees of of, of taste or desire for what they want out of either a match day hospitality experience or even just an event experience in somewhere like that. So actually breaking out of what may be seen as a traditional mould of of corporate hospitality or event hospitality, it did need a bit of a rethink to cater for those people. Completely, and we we need to
1: take some of those customers on a journey. So like we said, we've got the the Rose Garden that sits up on level five, uh, top tier seating, uh, but the environment and space is, is very cool. So it moves away from having a traditional round table and is, you know, vertical. So it's not, it's not allocated seating. There's a live band that plays um, interactive pizza oven with chefs out front cooking. You've got this rotisserie area that you people can help themselves and kind of grab and go, and then drinks are flowing all the way through. So it, it's a great party atmosphere. So taking that traditional kind of stuffy corporate environment and moving it to attract both business and personal, but people who want to spend a bit more than and have a, a, an experience rather than just
0: kind of stand on the concourses and have a beer. When, when you uh, take the changes out of the match day experience, and, and you know undoubtedly a huge amount of the focus of the redevelopment would have been on the experience that you can give people who are coming to watch rugby fixtures at the stadium, mm-hmm. um, inevitably you have to have a very, very close eye on, on what you can do for event organisers coming in to look at the space, that's non-match day. Um, how much focus was given on that element of the business when you were you know, undertaking the redevelopment?
1: A huge amount and actually a lot of conversation and some heated conversations around who takes precedent. You know, the event on a non-rugby day or a rugby day which is 10, 15 times a year. And I think in the East End we have balanced it quite nicely. So while we've got the high street restaurant style facility and the gate on you know on on the ground floor we've also then got the lock which which is slightly more traditional in its hospitality sense but then does cater for your traditional conferencing and events with a twist so you know you've still got your pitch views you've got breakout areas within the room and you, you can then cater for a traditional conferencing style on on one level and then try and move them across to having a an experience in the evening or the morning in a restaurant style environment which is where we want customers to move to. You know, We don't want traditional events with uh, traditional kind of breakout sessions and, and um, evening dinners. We want people to start thinking outside the box, really, and take what people expect on the high street and move sure. it in, into a stadium. Well,
0: I was going to ask, just, just looking at the rundown of, of the offering within the stand now and, and <laughs> how much uh, spectrum there is there, um, is there very much an element where now, Event organisers looking at the space need to think a little bit differently to how they would look on, quote unquote, a more traditional event space. Definitely, and we've had
1: several clients, both you know, internal customers that we use us regularly, and new customers coming to us, where it takes a bit of convincing to get the booker of the, that event to think slightly outside the box and move away from your traditional style to having a much more uh, personalised experience, much more you know, smaller tables. Uh, more choice in your menu offers and and adding risk to their event but in reality if we can do it for 15000 covers on a match day we can do it for 2 300 people on a non match day and you know getting organisers and bookers to think in high street terms and, mm-hmm. and bring that level of service into a conference and corporate environment is is tricky. But when people understand it and can see the vision, they really buy into it and it, it
0: works really well. We've spoken a lot about, I suppose, the, the catering side of, 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 of um, the offering that's now available in the East End. Um, and undoubtedly that plays a huge part of the redevelopment. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you were going through that process and, and identifying what you could offer event organizers on a non-match day um, what other elements of the redevelopment did you consider in terms of infrastructure so people will come in with certain power requirements for temporary events they will want certain AV projection you know connectivity yeah. um, that was all considered
1: yeah of course so it kind of goes without saying these days everyone wants or expects Wi-Fi and, and connection to be just available, and um, building in audio-visual capability, so big screens hidden, hidden behind, you know, cleverly hidden behind spaces, uh, state-of-the-art um, sound equipment going in, so it has all been thought through across all the spaces, but leaving an element of um, being able to bespoke, so yes, you're, you know... Um, Three phase power in the right place and being able to get to the right place across the building is important. If you wanted a band in the Rose Garden, that's all set up for a band. So there is, you know, there's a level of, you can bring your own things and do your own thing, but we've got a level of capability within the building itself.
0: That's interesting because having gone in and out of a lot of venues, you know, there is a level of, I suppose, afterthought that you can tell has happened in certain venues. You know, they've Mm -hmm. either undergone a refurb, but not thought about all of those little different elements and and being able to cater for a band might seem like a very sort of small thing but actually if you've got events coming in and out that regularly have live music having somewhere that's been specifically thought out from day one to cater for that type of thing is is a huge bonus to a venue
1: definitely and people don't think a, a stadium is capable of that you know people think a stadium is is primarily a stadium and sports venue not a corporate business conferencing kind of event space, mm-hmm. but it's actually the reverse. It's a you know, we need to fill the other days that aren't sport and we need to attract customers that are gonna use it. And we've you know been very successful at having product launches and exhibitions and one day a room's used for a traditional theatre style conference and the next day it's Formula One kind of a car in there so it's a great space and very flexible
0: and, and did you speak to event organizers or agencies or, or production people during the process of planning how you wanted these the finished these stand to look and and work you know again was there a consultation there were people to get their advice as to what they would need
1: yeah there was uh, several big agents in in London came along uh, we had a collaborative approach again with Compass, who operate many venues around the state, around the the country, uh, both their conference and events team and their sports teams came a, came within the circle and, and advised and pointed in the right direction and criticised the plans and then changes were made according to their kind of their ambitions and what they think the customers and uh, the industry was looking for.
0: So. Sure. And, and something you mentioned just about things like the screens, you know, and, and having them placed in certain areas or, or, or hidden. Um, is there a level of adaptability that was incorporated into the design of the entire stadium so that it, it could be changed and adapted? Rooms could be scaled up or down, etc.
1: Yeah, uh, lots of the spaces are dividable or so dividable um, but naturally. So part of our East Wing concept is, you know, it seats a thousand people across a nearly 120 metre Long room, right. but you can still have a dinner for 120 in there and, and feel like you're in a very private top-end London bar, and you know have a drinks reception at the bar and move across into a private area of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So while you're in a room for a thousand, you wouldn't know it.
0: And, and i have to say just looking at, at the photos and if anybody wants to go and have a look at, at, at through some of the images that i'm looking at TwickenhamStadium.com is the website to go to um and and it's it's quite obvious that this doesn't look like a traditional you know sports hospitality area you know gone are the the flowery carpets and the bland beige walls you know this this is very much like walking into a, a completely modern um you know bespoke environment that, that that you wouldn't know at first my instinct looking at the photos is you wouldn't realize if Somebody dropped you in there blindfolded. Took the blindfold off. You wouldn't know you were in a sports stadium.
1: No, we've got different finishes across the across all the levels. So from rough brick to you know um, a chop house style with uh, wine bottles coming out of the wall and 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 really kind of high level design. Our uh, east wing has marble tables. You know that are nearly a ton in weight. So it, 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 there's a lot of different touchy feely bits around the uh,
0: around the venue. Um, so far, when was it officially launched?
1: Uh, we opened for the South Africa game in beginning of November. Okay. The 3rd of November, uh, we opened the doors. Um, we had a couple of test events prior to that, but the official launch was November. And since then, we've had both the Autumn Internationals, the Six Nations, and uh, getting on with hundreds of events
0: now coming through the, through the doors. I, I don't know if this is something you would know off the top of your head, but um, my instinct would suggest that actually there's, there's the stadium itself only has so many days a year where it's actually hosting rugby matches. Therefore, the majority of your days are actually non... Non-match day,
1: yeah. So events where the pitch is used, so not just rugby, but for concerts and and other events. We're talking about twenty to twenty-five in any given year. So the other three hundred and forty days of the year are we're open for business for uh, across multiple events. So we don't just do one event a day. We have, you know, I think twenty-seven spaces around around the venue that can range from a thousand to down to ten people.
0: So. And something you just mentioned there about the concerts. Um, it, it's long been used as a as a, as a major summer outdoor concert uh, mm-hmm. stadium um, has the east stand or w- will it affect the offering that you're able to talk to with live concert promoters in terms of what they can achieve and do for their audiences when you're hosting music events
1: very much so in, um the east stand several of the rooms have pitch views and that lends itself to a concert where you know you not necessarily want to be outside all of the time so you might want to go outside for the main event but for the run-up and the atmosphere you want to be in a dining space or at a bar that has a pitch view and get a hold of the atmosphere but sit inside which is which is great and our spaces offer all of that and and more so yeah people definitely it will take time for people to understand it and mm-hmm. to, to get used to it. And I think uh, Metallica coming this summer will be the first time the East End is properly used as a as a venue for both hospitality and just vertical drinking and um, vertical use. Uh, for the, for the concert,
0: And you mentioned at the start of today's episode that, that um, there was an element of bringing some of the external hospitality that used to be outside the stadium and, and, and actually bring, bringing that in mm-hmm. so that you were in control of it, so it was incorporated within the actual stadium building itself. Um, what's now gonna happen with those, those spaces there? Are there further plans to, to sort of now redevelop other areas given that you've been able to bring a lot of it inside the stadium walls?
1: Well, a lot of those spaces were Completely outside the stadium, as in, they're in fields and car parks and and places that they just found around the Twickenham area. So, which is why the brand was being misrepresented in in some of those spaces just from a product delivery perspective so those places have gone back to their traditional use Uh, the stadium itself is looking at developing the the external areas of the stadium to be much more fan friendly and to bring people to the stadium earlier and give them a better experience so we recently moved the um, fence line out and incorporated into the West Van village so you're in the stadium once you're in in the main entertainment area and that just improves the customer journey. So the whole experience from public and just a, a normal ticket on the on within the ground through to hospitality has been thought through and you can you can have an experience that is a pine a pine to a burger mm. all the way through to your 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 top end hospitality.
0: With such a a huge focus and rightly so on on this redevelopment of one particular stand within a stadium Mm -hmm. we shouldn't forget the fact that the stadium has four stands you know it's four sided it's not just as well how was the 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 Development and the launch of this new offering in the East Stand affected the other hospitality areas, or, or what goes on in the other stands in the stadium.
1: Well, that's part of the beauty of it. So, it's about 50% is, of our hospitality capability is the East Stand, um, and the rest of the, the rest of the building still attracts a traditional hospitality goer. So, companies that have traditionally bought tables of ten can still buy their tables of ten. And then we now offer the flexibility for them to move away from that or at certain events and other less less formal events have another option right. and it gives them much more flexibility in, in that in that
0: space. Um, Timeline-wise, I'm sure I've read, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was about an 18-month uh, process of, re- of redevelopment. Mm-hmm. Um, so during that 18-month process, how, operationally speaking, did you maintain standards within the facility and not affect the match day experience um, negatively whilst you're un- undergoing what must have been a significant sort of construction phase
1: yeah it was an incredibly quick 18 months to put up a, a you know a, a massive structure was was incredibly quick and uh, with the time pressure of having a match day where you have to have the ground open is it w- was tricky uh, fortunately as it is a complete Bolt on to use, uh, you know, to describe it is, um, was advantageous because we could literally segregate the whole of the East stand off and still had our majority of our spaces available for both rugby sport and non-match day use. So it didn't really impact us hugely. We lost a bit of space, but and, uh, and and yeah, we carried on as
0: business as usual, and then just opened up the East stand and uh, carried on. It since it since it's been launched, have you how um, have you gone about? Making this known, I suppose, to, to, to event organizers because we've spoken fairly in depth about what's available within the mm-hmm. facility and how event organizers could come in and actually really get the creative juices flowing. Um, looking at what's available, have you had open days? Have you had invite events where you've been able to bring people in to actually look at it and get some feedback?
1: Yeah, we've had two or three open days, fam trips, uh, both from a um, using you know Keith Press and their. Client base together with England Rugby Hospitality and their client base and the non-match day team all collaborating together to bring in kind of a, a whole selection of clients, guests, and, and users of the space. We then also segregated often had um, bespoke non-match day events bringing in you know press magazines and um, consultants and the like to have a look at the space to, to get their creative juices flowing so that they can help us convince customers what is out there
0: and what's the art of the possible within the space mm. uh, Have you um, given thought to, to what other stadium operators may do now that you've you've gone through this transformation and this Mm -hmm. adoption I suppose of a new way of thinking when it comes to the hospitality within your own stadium are you hoping that that now this will be seen as a somewhat of a benchmark or a a raising of the bar or a shifting of expectations
1: yeah very much so we're hoping a lot of other sporting events and just event owners will see us as as a flagship and something to aspire to and if you look at redevelopments around the country you know the new Tottenham Stadium is a prime example they're Mm -hmm. doing Exactly, you know, they didn't steal it from us by any stretch of the imagination. But the industry is going in this direction for a much more flexible um, environment, much more bespoke, much more high levels of of service, and and particularly food expectation. You know, the, the whole food trend is moving much more mm-hmm. kind of bespoke and and uh, creating a unique experience rather than just being in a room being one of a number in in a room.
0: Something that I've touched on very uh, frequently in recent editions of the podcast um, is the subject of uh, sustainability um, and how venues and event organisers are rethinking the whole subject of sustainability. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it something that was on the agenda during the redevelopment process?
1: Yeah, I mean, very... It, 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 completely on the agenda. Um, and Twickenham has been a kind of a leader in that field in the stadium world for quite a long time um, with things like the Eco Cup, um, you know, with going, sending zero plastic, uh, single use plastic to, to landfill for uh, several years. So that as part of the East End development, they then built in a lot of energy saving devices. So all the, the hot water is, is state of the art, the heating, um, the lighting is, is all uh, on as required and low energy so they've completely thought about it from from start to finish uh, still more to do but mm-hmm. um certainly that was part of the build and then as part of the, the kind of kitchen infrastructure and the the creation of the menu and the concepts while they're while it offers choice it is um, it is designed to push people in one direction and to and to limit waste as much as possible given sure. the expectation from the customer
0: well, one thing i 've not asked yet is is um, from a, a brand activation point of view um, I know that, that there are a number of, of major brands um, that are involved in things like the Six Nations um, that mm-hmm. will have activation areas in and around the stadium um, uh, were you able to work with any of those sort of uh, brand partners of, of tournaments like the Six Nations to actually be able to develop areas within the east stand that they could use as activations and, and, and do stuff during the tournament.
1: Uh, within the east stand it's not a traditional space that has been used by our partners and and that of the of the RFU have a British Airways is obviously branded the British Airways Rose Garden. Mm-hmm. It's one of their spaces. Uh, they use that space for both match day and not match day um, use. They've they will be celebrating their 100 year anniversary right. with us in in August and they are activating all the way through the east stand with little touches of of British Airways. Um, some of the more traditional partners, um, Guinness Six Nations as an example, they tend to focus on the masses and, and be out in the public spaces, so they haven't used the East Antuits. Uh, to its capability yet um, although they are talking to us on a non-match day perspective and how do they launch products and how do they maintain uh, visibility to through their client base and we you know the bigger partners o2 and, and guinness and the like are talking to us quite regularly on on holding events with us of, of every nature
0: mm-hmm. how, how long will you um, wait i suppose is the right way of phrasing it but before you start looking at other areas of the stadium are you hoping that once you've been able to generate and log a certain amount of feedback uh, as a result of opening the redeveloped East stand. Are you going to then look at that as a way of maybe identifying smaller areas that you could redevelop as well? Are there other, other parts that you'd like to do?
1: Yeah, I mean, we never, we never really stop. We're, we're kind of in redesigning space all the time. We're, we're improving the space all the time, you know, adding in new technologies all the time into all the spaces across across mm. the, the building. Obviously, the East Stand is a significant investment, uh, from the the rfu and um, its shareholders if um, it's so uh, big development plans Mm -hmm. not currently for hospitality but we're looking at the fan experience outside the stadium and what uh, what can we do to enhance that experience and and
0: bring people along at all levels not just at the exclusive hospitality Mm -hmm. end. you mentioned um you mentioned tottenham's new stadium um which is big news Today, particularly, um, as we sit and record today's podcast, Mm -hmm. um, it is uh, Wednesday the 3rd. Of April, and it's the day that Tottenham will host their first Premier League match at their new stadium. To, to put it into perspective, because I'm not sure when this particular episode is going to be published, but um, that's a cashless stadium. Um, is the cashless side of things something that has been looked on with the East End in your own facility?
1: Yeah, it's something we haven't really shouted about, but we are fully cashless, 100% across across the board at Twickenham, and have been for nearly 18 months now. So it's it's not a not a new concept to us. You you, you can't really spend Cash at us. Uh, mm-hmm. We allow the kids to spend some cash at pick and mix and other small <laughs> places around the ground, but um, yeah, we're, we're 100% cashless uh, already. So, you know, I think all, all new stadiums and, and are going that direction, and old stadiums alike are moving t- towards that kind of card only. Transaction, it's much quicker
0: and more efficient. And I'm sure uh, that, that from what I've read, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the sort of the techno- technological side of things within the stadium. I mean, I've, I've read mm-hmm. that you very much want to be seen as a, as a pioneer of technology in terms of sports stadia, um, yeah. and that flows down to things like um, something I read about silent technology being used in uh, the restaurants to help waiters and chefs. Um, we've mentioned on the cashless side of things as well. Um, what are the sort of the, some of the sort of the real sort of technological advances that you're Really proud of when you look at the stadium
1: Yeah, so my, uh, maybe not new to the industry but uh, certainly new to stadiums and corporate hospitality entertaining we we've worked with our till company capture and QSR to bring in this kind of what I term a silent kitchen technology and allowing waiters and the customers to place orders front of house uh, to then that electronically relates back to the kitchen and gives a very clear production list to the kitchen and um, sets the time standards so have gone on the days of the old clipboard and uh, nails and a board in the kitchen <laughs> (laughs) And so, if you're going to deliver to fifteen thousand people in a in a three-hour period, you need to rely on technology, or you'd be silly not to rely on technology to to help you do that. And uh, while it's it's been uh, had a lot of success with it, we've got more to do, and you know we still want to introduce more more technology in areas where we see slower service or we see a slight. Um, we're not hitting the, what our expectation of the customer experience should be. So we're working with a technology team on an ongoing basis to connect people to make the journey easier and to make service more seamless. And, mm-hmm. and that, that
0: does pay dividends in the end. And, and all the technology that we're talking about here, does it has to dovetail... You know, almost seamlessly, doesn't it? You know, mm-hmm. you—if you—I don't know if you have an, a dedicated app for the stadium that people can can go on and use as part of this.
1: Not yet. Uh, that's coming uh, in summer this year. So we're working together with. Um the technology team and uh, British Airways as a partner. You know that that's one of the commitments of the stadium is to develop an app and uh, move across to digital ticketing mm-hmm. and, and bring the, the kind of the general fan
0: population along that journey as well. And and one thing I, uh, I should touch on, which because it's all it's always a sensitive subject in the events industry, is connectivity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what redevelopment in terms of specifics can you tell us about that went into the connectivity side of things, the Wi-Fi network, the hardwired networks, the four G networks that are available. Uh, I'm no ex- Expert, but I know the
1: um, the, the, tech, the few technology team worked really closely with their partner O2 and uh, to make the to predominantly the East Stand, but the whole stadium is now fully Wi-Fi'd up. Um, you can't see it in the bowl yet, and that's still a challenge for most stadiums around the, around the world. Actually, mm-hmm. um, but uh, c- connectivity at the stadium from a Wi-Fi perspective is is great. Um, if you're there as a fan, 80,000 people coming in and trying to connect all at once is still difficult, and most stadiums will understand what I'm what I'm talking about. But um, it, it is tough. But the technology team are moving all the time, so having cashless and um Putting Wi-Fi in the car parks and things is a key priority mm. for them.
0: But I guess going back to what we were talking about earlier on in terms of opening up the new East Stand for, uh, for uh, events outside of match day Hospitality, if yeah. you can cater in some way for 82,000 people in the stadium at once and, and you've put a network in that... You know, is designed to try and cope with that amount of people. Hosting events for two, three, four thousand people is going to be pretty straightforward from a connectivity oh, point of view. 100%. And you know, we've hosted esports
1: events, so we have a dedicated fibre optic line that we can dedicate to them, and they love that. You know, and there's big events and um, and companies out there that demand a high. Secure network, and, and we've got that coming into the stadium. You know, you might not be able to do that for 80,000 people, but for for a, a one-off event in the stadium, that that's a given uh, these days. And I think you you can't open in a venue like Twickenham, being the national stadium, and not offer state-of-the-art internet connection as a as a as a basic.
0: Absolutely. We've been talking on today's podcast to Niles Brody. Niles is the Director of Catering, Conferencing and Events for Twickenham Stadium, talking about the rebuild of the East Stand, an 18-month project that culminated in the stand being opened for the South Africa match uh, in November last year. Um, and Niles, thanks very much for joining the podcast today. Um, as I said a little bit earlier on, if anybody wants to go and have a look at some of the pictures and the information about the stand, uh, twickenhamstadium.com is the website to go to. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of good information on there loads of information for event organisers all the facts and figures that you'll need and uh, I'm sure if you've got anything else to ask you'll be able to get in touch with the guys at Twickenham Stadium directly Niles thanks very much again for joining the podcast the podcast uh, that is On the road again, as I said at the top of today's episode, we have uh, dug the microphones and the stands and the mixing desks out of the cupboard. We've hopped on a train. We've come down to London to the home of Crucial Effects and their Origin experience. They've hosted us today. It's been great to have the podcast back out on the road. Thanks very much to the guys at Crucial Effects. And if you want to find out anything more about that, on Twitter is at Origin underscore London. That brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks very much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time.